Hi there, and welcome to another episode of Be a Global Citizen. My name is Scott, and today's episode is very exciting. We're going to have Andrew Gebert, Dr. Andrew Gebert, join us for a conversation about the most recent Ikeda peace proposal, the 2021 peace proposal. And I really hope that you guys take lots away from this conversation, lots of insights. Uh, lots of interesting and important context that that Andrew is able to share with us, and uh, I think that it will serve as great inspiration for those of you who have not read Ikeda's peace proposal to take the time to read through it. So I definitely had a lot of fun uh, recording conversation with with Andrew, and I hope you guys enjoyed as well. Hi Scott, um, thank you for having me on. Uh, it's it's really great. I, I, I love that. Um, I love the the technology that allows us to to speak from uh, Tokyo and Brazil like this. This is this is very cool. So, a um, few words about myself. Um, I've been living in Japan as my home base for quite a long time. Um, I've worked as a translator professionally since 1982 um, and um, through translation got involved in uh, graduate study in Japanese intellectual history um, and uh, have been teaching since 2011. Um, so that's sort of my <clears throat> my second career um, is is academic though. Translation has always involved research. You have to look behind things. You have to check things. You have to <clears throat> fact check, and you know, um, you know, really become very intensely and intimately involved in people's thoughts and, and ways of expression. So um, that's kind of my orientation. Um, I know we're going to be talking about um, Daisaku Ikeda's peace proposals. I've been involved in the translation of those on a regular basis since, I'm going to say 1998, it might be 1997, but I've been, been uh, in, engaged in that translation process. Um, and uh, that's been a great honor and, and uh, really sort of uh, his, uh, through translation, sort of absorbing his worldview or engaging in a conversation with his worldview um, about uh, you know global issues and and global citizenship, um, which is you know obviously one of the the key concepts that that he comes back to again and again, and in a way, and and I actually at at DePaul University um, we we took a course together. We did a course together um, on the peace proposals. Um, thinking about them as a kind of um, curriculum for, for for global citizenship, and um, you know he, so I think that's a you know we, we we share that and and I hope we can share some thoughts about that. Definitely, thank you so much, Andrew, and it is such you know an honor to have you on this podcast. I'm really excited to talk and learn more from you about the peace proposals uh, by Ikeda. I think, you know, your, your background is just incredible and that you have really, like you said, absorbed so much 
through this this period of of translation, the research that you've put into it, and um, yeah, and and also I'd like to you know point out that um, so Andrew was my professor in the master's program, and like he mentioned, we we had this course about the Ikeda's peace proposals, and so it's just really wonderful to kind of dive back into it and be able to exchange more ideas and thoughts with you today. And um, yeah, and so let's just get into it. Uh, so I just kind of wanted to make a few comments before. So with the 2021 peace proposal, um, you know, every January 26th is the date that he um, submits his, his proposal to various representatives within uh, the UN bodies. And then uh, a few weeks later, right, the, the translation of it from Jap the original Japanese to English is then, um, you know, distributed, right, made public. Um, and then from that translation, you know, I'm sure there's, there are many other languages that are uh, made available. Um, and I, uh, I read the peace proposal twice. So I read it the first time a week ago, and then uh, once more in preparation for our conversation, just to yeah. get more fresh in my mind. And it seems that, you know, just from a very general perspective, so the, the title of this peace proposal being value creation in a time of crisis, which just is, it just perfectly sums up the, the moment that we're living in, which is crisis. And what Ikeda, you know, brings to this conversation, his background in really developing the idea of value creation. I just think it just, it's very timely to, to be able to like, you know, really have this focus on, um, you know, critical issues that are, are going on. And the way he even structured the, the peace proposal, I've noticed, and I'm sure Andrew, you probably can comment more about this, but the, the way that it's structured, it's very clear, it's very streamlined, you know, and I, I, he, he, he approaches it through these thematic areas to begin with. Uh, there's three of them. And then he follows that with three specific proposals. And um, I just think that, so I, I have them listed out here and maybe later I can talk about it, but I just kind of wanted to hear your thoughts about just, you know, may, maybe you can share a little bit about the title and then also following that, just this kind of general setup to the way like Hida approaches the, the construction of, of this document, right? Because his proposal is so general, but, you know, Ikeda has written so many uh, of these, but it's evolved over time to the point where now he has it kind of like in a very set way that I think is fascinating. Just curious to hear your thoughts. Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, when I when I saw the title, um, when, when we, you know, um, when, when the translation team, when we got the title, we were just like, yes, this this just really hits it. You know, it's it's so simple, and um, and it goes back to you know his 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 deepest sort of um, philosophical orientation, which is <clears throat> the idea of value creation. I mean, the to to give a plug to the the master's course through which we met, it was um, value creating education for global citizenship. So um, this idea of value creation that um, that it, it, to me, it's it's really about um, 
human agency at the deep and deepest level that um, whatever situation we're in um, that 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 human beings have a capacity I mean he he has this very um, powerful expression I'm gonna go right to quoting him in, in this um, Please do. <laughs> I'm scrolling right now to be patient as I scroll here a little bit um, but uh, uh, he ends this um, section um, that uh, while the threat posed by the pandemic is indeed grave, I believe that we, if we muster the limitless human capacity to break through impasses and become the authors of a new history, we will be certain to overcome it. And this, this idea of, um, as I say, value creation is to me another way of talking about human agency and the, the idea that um, as individuals, we author our own lives and um, as, as a species, as, as, as humanity as a whole, we are the authors of our own history. Um, and um, in a lot of the earlier peace proposals, I'm gonna jump around a little bit. Um, he, he argued a lot with some of the more um, deterministic views of history. And if we go back to the 19th and early 20th century, um, there was this idea of rules and laws that govern and, and a kind of inevitable development in certain directions. Um, and um, this was particularly sort of the Marxist view of, of history and and, um, and and also the the capitalist liberal uh, view of history that um, <clears throat> that history uh, must develop in certain directions and you end up with um, a, a, a human disempowerment in that if the script is good if the laws are good they will take us inevitably in a good direction toward human salvation. Um, and if the laws or the script are bad, um, we're doomed. And that was really the, the, the view of history that prevailed for so much of the, um, of, of, of the, the 19th and 20th century. Um, and he argued against that a lot in the earlier peace proposals to, to make this case for human agency. And I feel, jumping forward to this latest one that I think he feels he has made the case and I think he doesn't and he just takes it now as a given. If we muster the limitless human capacity to break through impasses and become the authors of our new history of a new history, he's he's stating that as a as a fact in in a way that, that we do have this capacity. And I think that that is something we absolutely need to hear now. Um, and um, and, and that we have to do this not just as individuals, but through a global solidarity. Um, mm -hmm. That's really central to the message of this um, the peace proposal. And he gives some specific examples of that. But um, so does that make sense? No, yeah, that definitely resonates with, with me and, and from my reading of the peace proposal as well. Um, I, I, I kind of felt like going into this Peace proposal. I was curious to know um, how Ikeda would respond 
to what all has been going on, right? I felt a little bit, you know, like, oh, like apprehensive almost about like his reactions. And uh, I, I kind of had this, you know, negative sense of that there's so many issues, like what can possibly happen? It's it's so overwhelming. The, the, the what is required and being asked of, um, you know, the current generations is much more than, you know, you know, what could have possibly been fathomed in, in, in the past. And and hearing Ikeda's words and, and the, the quotation that you cited, it really does feel like, you know, to be the protagonist of your own life and to really cultivate that sense of, of agency and to really consider that as a given, I think it, it really empowers the reader and um, kind of reassures the reader as well that um that it is possible that it's being done right now and um and i think you know he ikeda really plays on this not plays on the idea but he really um he really grapples with the the idea not the idea what of what history is basically you know the importance of history um and i'm glad that you brought that up because you know it, in one of the sections that um ikeda where he which where he talks about establishing global solidarity of action um, he actually mentions one of his uh, one of the first interlocutors that he had uh, and, and whom he conducted a, an extensive dialogue with this was the British historian Arnold J Toynbean in um, you know quite early I think in the in, it was in the 60s that he had this conversation uh, early, early 70s early on ah, the early 70s yeah. yeah and so you know he 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 had there's this quotation from uh, from the dialogue in which uh, Toynbean says quote our experience in the past gives us the only lights on the future that is accessible to us end quote and I feel like you know Ikeda while he recognizes the agency he also um you know relies upon you know past examples to really kind of bring forth that confidence that, you know, it is possible, right? Rather than just allow us to be overwhelmed in the present that, you know, this is new, so let's just kind of <laughs> give in. But, um, but yeah, I don't know, that, that's kind of my response. Yeah, no, he, that, that, that's very true. And, 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 and then he cites some very specific, uh, you know, um, he, 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 he digs in and um, brings up some history that I wasn't aware of at all. Um, that at the height of the Cold War in the late 50s and, and, and uh, <clears throat> that the United States and the Soviet Union actually collaborated on developing um, a new polio vaccine and um, a, one that could be administered orally rather than um, you know, through injection. And mm -hmm. that expanded, um, you know, it, it, was, it was much lower cost. It was, you know, and, and in the midst of the, the Cold War where um, you know, the United States and the Soviet Union are developing greater and greater, um, you know, more accurate missile capacity and, 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 and poised on uh, the, the doctrine of uh, mutually assured destruction where peace would be maintained by uh, the assurance that if you strike out at me, I will destroy you completely and then you'll destroy me completely in the second mm -hmm. strike. Um, this 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 really nihilistic kind of um, approach. In the midst of that, um, is this um, collaboration going on to um, to create a uh, you know a, a, a new to create and, and test a new um, vaccine? Um, 
and um, he takes that and then he he brings that forward to um, today, and 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 mentions the um, the Covax facility, um, mm -hmm. which is seeking it's it's a UN uh, organized uh, uh, program to ensure that uh, low and middle income countries have reasonably priced access and, and stable access to, um, they're looking to ship, I think, 2 billion doses of vaccine over the next, um, throughout the, throughout uh, 2021. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, he's, he sees this collaboration going on um, as, as something that, um, um, I'll, I'll quote Toynbee again, um, Toynbee, he, he, he asks, he quotes Toynbee saying, what will be singled out of the salient as the salient event of our time by future historians, centuries hence? And then Ikeda responds by saying, one of these might be this global cooperation of, 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 of COVAX, of seeking to get um, you know, the, the vaccines out to people throughout the world. Um, mm. and, and, you know, in a, in a negative way, we're experiencing, I think one of the things that's happened with the, uh, with the, with the pandemic is, um, you know, we, we all talked kind of, um, theoretically about interconnectedness and interdependence and so forth, but that's gotten really real, um, in, in the last year, um, unless, we work on a global scale, and this is one of the things he emphasizes, you know, that unless we work on a global scale to um, make everyone safe in this pandemic, no one's gonna be safe. And, um, you know, the advanced countries can develop, um, you know, uh, vaccines that work for the current state of the virus. Um, but if new and more dangerous mutations are being um, generated out of large populations of infected people in, um, you know, in less well-off countries, those mutations are going to get to the rich countries too. Um, mm -hmm. And so in a negative sense, we're definitely connected. But he, like you say, he, he has this positive orientation to say, to look at this challenge and not just sort of, oh my God, it's so terrible, but say, look at, let's look one step beyond at what the positive possibilities of this uh, situation are. Um, and the other thing maybe we'll talk about in a moment is um, also he, he says the other thing that he thinks um, future historians might look back on as a uh, you know, salient event in, uh, in, in Toynbee's words is um, uh, the passage of the uh, treaty uh, on the prohibition of nuclear weapons, the TPNW, which for the first time has made uh, nuclear weapons illegal under international law. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I'm glad that you you brought up the 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 quotation from from Toynbee, and I think this this it's kind of like a almost like a thought experiment, right? To kind of project into the future and thinking what what these historians will what will they focus in on. Right, what will be that salient event? And um, yeah, and this kind of this sense of global solidarity is very important, and the the effects that that can have on on the population. I think 
um, you know, Ikeda shares from his own personal experience how seeing um, the, 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 the vaccines being distributed and um, seeing how they greatly affected the communities and really led to people, you know, not dying from, from this horrible polio, um, I think that really created a lot of hope and it, it really left a, a deep mark in his life. And Ikeda has like this really, I think, incredible way of looking at, uh, you know, the issue and being able to like, from uh, his personal experiences, but then also like, you know, when he, he shares about um, how he has these very vivid memories um, of the way that many children in Japan were saved from polio because of this collaboration. But then, you know, he also, um, as a, you know, a Japanese national, as a citizen, um, he also um, positions um, himself as like, you know, kind of speaking on behalf of Japan, right, as a citizen and, and kind of making notes of how, um, you know, Japan should um, position themselves so that they can also, either, you know, generate more of this hope. And then, you know, referencing COVAX, which is, you know, another level above that, you know, at the international, even global level, how, you know, again, there's like this kind of cascading effect, I feel, um, that recognizes the local and the global, recognizes how, you know, we can't have global solidarity without, I guess you can say local solidarity, <laughs> or, you know, that really locally felt um, experience. And uh, yeah, and so that was another thing I wanted to to add on to that is yeah, the Covax facility and the, this initiative that's being done to address the you know the the fairness really and equality of you know access to these vaccines is so so important when it comes to like really putting into practice like human rights, right? Valuing that. He. Um... That's, that's a really that's a really excellent point. I mean, I think um, that he does he does speak. You know, he 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 cites his personal experience of, um, you know, how this um, you know in the midst of the Cold War, uh, you know, in Japan was on the the side of of the you know the liberal capitalism, um, you know, versus uh, you know this the Soviet uh, bloc. Um, but how this this collaboration actually he could he said you know he could see the you know the the, the palpable sense of relief among Japanese mothers as I forget how many but many millions of doses um, produced by uh, this collaboration became available um, in Japan and 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 mothers and and uh, families could you know really uh, feel some security there. Um, he has a. Um, and and so yeah he 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 you know he it's it's a you know this has been referred to as as a kind of rooted cosmopolitanism um, where you're not just sort of um, floating above you know and looking at everything from a big global perspective but coming down to um, individual countries individual uh, communities and 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 individuals and. Um, you know, he makes um, another thing that's that's a really strong um, theme in the the first half. And you asked me to give a sort of sense of the overall structure of the peace proposals, and I do want to um, address that, which is that the the general structure of the peace proposals is to lay out um, broad 
kind of philosophical orientations and ideas in the first half, and then to talk, of, and, and then in the second half to um, make concrete proposals that would sort of embody these um, philosophical or, or sort of value orientations that, uh, that he sets out in, in the first half. Um, and, um, you know, that, that, that structure is, and I think that that, that dialogue between um, broad principles and, and concrete proposals um, is, is really important. And, and he's, he's very modest about the, the concrete proposals. He doesn't, um, you know, sort of uh, latch on to like a, a single um, concept and say, you know, if we, if we only do this one thing, everything is going to be okay. I, I've got the answer here. Um, mm -hmm. But um, from his own mentor, Jose Toda, um, he was encouraged, received guidance that, that um, when you propose, when you talk about, when you, when you engage in an issue, you should engage with it concretely. Um, and and put out some concrete ideas because that's what's going to really get the conversation started. Um, if you just talk on, you know, the level of general principles, it's safer, um, you know, and you can say things um, that that no one's going to disagree with. But when you get down and say, you know, um, what is the next concrete step that we can take? How can we move forward? From where we are right now, um, and 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 what is the next sort of step that we can take? And that's parallel with something else that he um, is also very consistent in the in the peace proposals, which is that step for each of us is what can we do for someone in our immediate environment who we know is struggling? How can we um, reach out? to someone in our immediate environment who's struggling and do something to make their situation a little bit easier. What is the, you know, what is the, um, how can we break down their isolation? How can we make them understand that they're not alone? Um, and that also then um, connects to, 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 to an important theme in the whole peace proposal, which is that um, at a time of, you know, as you just mentioned, this really um, scary levels of inequality that existed before the pandemic, um, how can we keep a focus on the most vulnerable members of society? Um, and, and he really sees that as the key, that if we can keep our eyes and our attention focused on the people who are struggling the most, I mean, we had, you know, a lot of talk about the frontline workers and the, you know, essential workers, and and there was a lot of sort of uh, praise and attention given them to the to them, especially in the first months of the pandemic. But how much are we really thinking about these people and supporting them? And um, and I think that 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 human focus on what can we do for individuals and what can we do for um, whole segments of society that are, are struggling or vulnerable um, is, is really essential to his, his orientation. Definitely. I, I think that, yeah, that, that human element kind of going 
rather than abstracting everything and getting to those higher levels, right, the international and global, he really um, has this keen attention to the individual. And that's why I, I, we see in a lot of the peace proposals, his um, enthusiasm, I think, in discussing um, like human rights education, um, as well as addressing the, uh, the refugee crises around the world. Um, and just for me, you know, as I was reading um, the, this peace proposal, it, it's incredible how, you know, he's speaking to such a wide audience and yet he's still able to kind of like in various moments, like touch upon, like hit different heartstrings, I guess, you know? So for me, I was reading um, this, one, this one part where he, he talks about um, immigrants and he mentions how um, it's estimated that one in eight of the world's nurses are working in countries other than where they were born or received their training. And, you know, this is in response to the, the COVID, uh, the pandemic and how, um, you know, with so many more people in the hospitals, and there's so much activity there and like who's really on the front lines and really make, you know, saving lives. And uh, this, this really resonated with me because I was just thinking, wow, my, my mother is actually an immigrant uh, from South Korea. And she is kind of, that, I guess, one in eight people that Ikeda is right now referencing in this statistic. And it just, you know, it's, it just seems how, you know, even though it's a short mention, it connects to such a bigger issue of um, really giving value to those frontline workers. But even, you know, even without like a, a pandemic happening, but, you know, really establishing and maintaining that kind of a connection. And, um, and I think this connects to um, how as like, a, you know, within, within global citizenship, the, um, the, the element of imaginative empathy is really important, right? To be able to like um, have that sensibility, that sense of perception maybe to, to really feel how others are, are suffering in, in distant places and um, from there to take actions. Um, and I think Ikeda, right, he, he's very modest. I think he's, he does, um, not just with his proposals, but like, I think through his actions and what he alone do, has done with his peace proposals, like we see him constantly citing past peace proposals from 2013, from 2010. Um, and, and, you know, kind of, there's a recycling of ideas or uh, um, him kind of making statements of this is what we've achieved, this is what I've been able to achieve through the, the SGI, the Buddhist organization uh, that, you know, he, he leads, there's, there's also amazing initiatives that also serve as, um, you know, proof, as evidence of um, really him, as we can say, you know, like going the extra mile and actually doing what he says we all should be doing. Um, so I feel like there's this interesting combination of like, his focus on the individual and that, you know, that resonance that we all have with, you know, wanting to be there for another person, especially in times of crises, because of course the reciprocity of it, I think is something that is innate within human culture and society. Um, but then from that local level expanding 
to larger and larger areas. I think that's this exercise, the kind of like rubber band effect, I guess, of us stretching and really, um, you know, seeking to encompass as many people as possible. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. You, you know, when you mentioned the, the refugees and the, the immigrants, I thought that was, um, there are two places that he talks about, um, you know, there, I mean, one of the really um, distressing things that happened and continues to happen um, was, is that, um, you know, a lot of, of people of Asian descent, and I'll just speak in the United States because it's what I'm most familiar with, um, you know, there are a lot of incidents of, of, of people being abused as, you know, the, the source of the, um, of the virus, you know, and, uh, you know, there was rhetoric um, and a lot of uh, misinformation. Um, he, he cites the idea of an infodemic of misinformation. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I think that that's, and, and then he, 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 he states that um, in the face of um, crisis, we have, two, we, have, we have two pretty stark choices. One is that we can um, start blaming each other and start looking for um, someone to, you know, to, to, to scapegoat, um, or we can come together. Um, and, and, and it's so, it's, it's, it's very simple and it's very stark, um, that, you know, that, that this crisis can either be something that brings us together in this solidarity that he talks about, um, or, um, you know, we, we, society fragments even further. And I think, you know, he, he makes that, that very stark. And I think that's very powerful. Um, I just want to circle back one real quickly to, um, you know, um, the other um, population or group of people that he, he, he talks about, um, he, he goes, to, you know, he cites um, a report from the UN High Commissioner, the Office of the High Commissioner of Refugees, UNHCR, about refugees who spontaneously responded to the challenge of um, the pandemic in their host countries. And these are people, you know, who have come to one is in Kenya, he cites two examples, and one is in Germany of people who were refugees and engaged in, in activities such as making masks um, to contribute to their um, to their to their uh, to their host societies and the, the, the societies that took them in. Um, and that's not to, to engage in a um, you know sort of like the the, the good grateful refugee and the good grateful immigrant, um, but to say that um, that people naturally want to contribute. People have a natural desire um, to contribute to their to the place in this, the community that they live in, um, and that um, you know that that refugees you know the dialogue around refugees or the, the discourse around refugees tends to be really focused so much on the suffering, which is, which is absolutely real and, and, and on a really imponderable scale. But he always looks, at, um, turns that focus, takes it one step further and says that the people who are suffering are actually people who have a unique contribution to make and that empowering them to make that unique contribution that they can make often 
it's unique because of what they've been through um, and that the, the capacities for empathy and, 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 and so forth that they've developed through their difficult experiences um, that we need to look at, 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 always look at people as a resource um, and always look at people as in terms of their potential. And I think that that um, fundamentally um, affirmative and optimistic view of, of human beings is, is really at the heart of the, uh, of the peace proposals. And I think it's um, really a great foundation for thinking about um, global citizenship. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you, and uh, I'm glad you you brought that up. I, I really enjoyed reading that section of the, the the peace proposal with the the kind of like call that the spontaneity of these refugees. And again, I think that that also connects back to the very beginning of our conversation about how um, Ikeda really seeks to to like kind of value the agency that we have as 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 individuals. And that from one person that can you know spill out and affect our community and really build uh, a movement around that and uh speaking of like the, the movement itself um, i also wanted to share like i think it's significant that you know at the very end of the peace proposal ikeda mentions the what is it the the great green wall <laughs> was that Am I yes, that wrong? yes, 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 yes. In Africa, the Great Green Wall in Africa. And I felt that that also has resonance with what you shared with the refugees that like, it's, you know, of course, it's a much bigger movement, right? Than, you know, spontaneously um, finding ways to, to make masks and share it with, with uh, the healthcare workers. But um, I, I really thought that that also like has such potential. It's, it, it has potential. And I think it's it's something that you know Ikeda kind of ends on a high note by by mentioning that and kind of bringing together all that we've been discussing to really um, you know make make his points very clear that you know his his belief in the human potential and the the need for humans to 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 be there and like you know respond in these crises in a positive way is a fact and that it's happening it's just that you know i think it's a matter of um our mindset and where our attention is focused is something that we need to be careful with right i don't know about you but sometimes i feel my focus being drawn too much maybe to a cell phone or to social media right and uh and you know toxicity abounds in this uh, media landscape that we have to be very careful but then there, there's this recognition of, well, you know, what can I do? And then joining with something like, you know, not necessarily going to Africa and actually participating, but knowing that these things are happening and then thinking of what is around you that you can also participate in. I think that's very empowering. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that, yeah, I think that, you know, if, if um, that that by you know he has this sort of double focus on the, the big 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 picture you know and 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 yeah I, the, the the great green wall of africa which is this effort to um to plant indigenous uh to to aforest and reforest um and and uh large uh in the sahel which is in the south of uh to the south of the sahara 
and is threatened with de desertification to, to plant appropriate indigenous species there that will support communities and uh, slow the uh, spread or reverse the spread of the, the Sahara Desert and desertification. Um, you know, that, so that's the big, big picture. You know, literally the Great Green Wall can be, you know, seen from space. Um, and, um, and then just, you know, what can I do in my immediate environment? You know, what can I do? Can I, you know, plant, uh, you know, some, some indigenous um, uh, pollinator friendly plants, um, you know, on my balcony in my apartment in the middle of a city? You know, can I and hopefully attract some pollinators and give some pollinators uh, a better, you know, uh, lease on life? Um, and, and so that uh, double focus on the big picture and then spurring people to think, what, what is the thing um, I can do uh, is, is, is really wonderful. Great. So I, I can, I, I'm sure that we can probably sit and talk for easily another two, three hours, you know, with the entirety yes. of this proposal, you know, 30 pages long, so many different sections. And we didn't even talk about, uh, you know, the, the Treaty on the Prohibition of Nuclear Weapons and all of the advances and the significance of that movement and whatever presents. Um, although interestingly enough, though, it is very much connected to, I, th I feel, our conversation, right? I think they're all interconnected in many ways. They center back on the human. Um, but um, I, I just kind of wanted to, to, to ask you, um, well, it's not really a question, but is, is there any any final comment you think um, is, is important to, to share just to kind of round off this conversation that we've been having about the 2021 peace proposal? Anything that maybe we didn't mention or maybe something that you just well, want to highlight? You did, you did bring up the, the, the TPNW, the Tre Treaty on the Prohibition of Nuclear Weapons. And that is, you know, um, that's been central. I mean, ever in, in 1958, Ikeda heard his mentor, Jose Toda, call for the prohibition of nuclear weapons. Um, and that, I've, I've thought a lot about it because it comes up in almost each of the peace proposals as, as a really central idea. Um, and it, it's, it's uh, Toda's uh, initial call in 1958 for the prohibition of nuclear weapons was um, issued in very uh, powerful language that kind of spanned both the secular and the religious. He he um, made a reference to the Buddhist idea of 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 Mata, which is the you know the the robbers of life that that uh, <clears throat> that nuclear weapons embody this human impulse to uh, you know, just to dominate other people um, and to uh, to rob them of life, um, and and to to violate the right of the world's people to life, and he condemned this uh, the existence of nuclear weapons or any possible use of them in the most um, energetic and 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 stark and uh, vehement terms, and Ikeda took that. And has been working, you know, for nuclear weapons uh, abolition ever since. And there's a lot of different ways of thinking about that. Um, but for me, um, two things. There's one is 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 an idea in nuclear abolition discourse, which is the idea of a pyramid of violence. 
that um, that right down to domestic violence or even just like interpersonal nastiness at the bottom of the, the pyramid. And then it goes up through communal violence, um, uh, organized warfare. And then at the peak of the, um, uh, the peak of the pyramid is nuclear weapons, which is which are just this um, absolutely nihilistic weapon that would not only end civilization as we know it, but also just um, you know as Einstein as Einstein Einstein said, I don't know what the Third World War would be fought, but the war after that would be fought with. Um, sticks and stones because we would be reduced back to uh, a state of, of, of absolute sort of primitiveness in the, in the worst sense of that word. Um, and so by attacking and focusing on the peak of this pyramid of violence, we can or are compelled to confront all the violent aspects of our nature and of, of, uh, of, of human society. Um, and that, that's one aspect. And then the other is, is this idea of human agency that, um, that nuclear weapons did not like spring out of the earth. We as human beings thought about them, thought to make them, thought to use them, created them and did everything you know, related to them. And, and as an act of human agency to say that we made these, but we don't want to go down that path, the path that they take us we want to choose a different direction and we want to exercise agency over our own technology, our own intelligence and our own impulses that, that as human beings we want and feel we're going to do that. I think that that is just, um, you know, that the significance that he sees in this treaty for the first time prohibiting um, nuclear weapons under international law, I think he sees, you know, these these this this again this deep exercise of human agency um on a global scale in that wow thank you so much that was incredibly incis insightful and incisive i feel you were able to condense all of that about his um you know his worldview um his background in nuclear weapons and you know what drives him forward and uh, yeah, he, he definitely spends um, a large portion of the 2021 peace proposal writing about kind of where where we're at uh, with these recent developments. But also, you know, we can see how this is something that he's been building up, developing over, you know, ever since the beginnings of his, his initiative with the peace proposals in 19. Uh, 1983 and even before that, right? I mean, this yeah. he, he sent proposals, um, you know, on like a was it the China relations? I think that was like 1960. There was, there 68, was a, 1968. He yeah. called for the, the normalization of uh, Japanese Sino relations and uh, and uh, the the admittance of uh, the, the the Beijing government to the UN. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so there's there's such like a rich history with with this, and it's I'm sure very encouraging and gratifying for Ikeda to you know to to be able to witness these changes happening. And I think with Ikeda, it's not just you know for his own ego boost, right? But his 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 dream that he inherited from 
his mentor Toda um, is something that it's then being transmitted to um, I would say you know probably millions of people who who really respect his work who are inspired by his life to continue that so I think there's this this momentum that's being built um, and that you know there's still more work to be done of course but that we're at least you know in in the process like you were saying well it took a long time to develop these weapons but it's also going to take time to to kind of render these weapons useless given uh, a paradigm shift that we have in within our hearts really because i think the intellectual rational side of things is kind of clouded by the fear um, maybe discrimination that we have towards the other and uh, and that there needs to be this courage that wells up from the, our being that can then really uh, respond in, in a way that was different than the past, right? So that we don't have repetitions of a World War Three, right? And um, yeah, so I mean, I, thank you so much, Andrew. Um, pleasure, just, pleasure. Just, it's been so amazing to, uh, to have this conversation with you to talk about this most recent peace proposal and um, and just so informative. I think we, we, you really were able to like bring lots of important contextual um, information to the conversation. And I hope that the viewers really enjoyed this episode. I know I did. And um, I hope that we can get you back on the podcast. Uh, the I'd future. love to talk again. Yeah, I could, I could, uh... I would love to come back. Um, and I'm imagining that you're going to post the link to the peace proposal so that people who got a taste of it through our conversation can um, read the whole thing and, and some of the earlier ones also. Excellent. Yes. Thank you for that suggestion. I will definitely leave a link in the description. You can find it there. And uh, yeah, so thank you so much, Andrew. Talk to you later, OK? Pleasure. Pleasure. Thank you so much to those of you listening to the podcast. I hope that this most recent interview was very stimulating for you and that you are able to become more familiar and more interested in the peace proposals. So this officially ends season one of Be a Global Citizen. And we're going to take a little bit of a break. I'm planning to take maybe two weeks. Uh, off before we then dive back into season two so um so yeah more you can expect more um, episodes uh on the topic of soka global citizenship as well as continuing interviews with my fellow graduates from the master's program and potentially some special appearances so i um, hope you guys continue to stay tuned we'll be back soon and take care.